Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. see you all today. I know that uh, both of our churches are feeling the effects. Man, your beard is looking very, very good. You got just got to, it's been looking very nice since the last time I saw you. Uh, sorry, I, I just the train of thought, you know, goes when you see a, a beard of that nature. <clears throat> both of our uh, services are, are affected um, by the group uh, that went to Israel. So it is uh, good to see all of you here today. Um, I had somebody in our church that, you know, wanted to lift up the, uh, the group that went to, to Israel because of all the things that are happening over there. You know, it is, where they're going is, is safe considerably, but that area <clears throat> is in turmoil, you know, uh, and that's really not going to get any better uh, as time, uh, as Jesus' return draws near. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I felt kind of torn. I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm praying for them, yeah, for their safety and all this stuff. But it, it really is a touristic trip. They decided to go. It's not like it's a, it's a missionary trip. You know, you, you kind of have to have a, a proper balance of everything. So uh, she decided to, to not necessarily announce a fast and prayer for them. But there are all, a lot of us that are praying for them, for their safety. I see them on a daily basis, you know, on the things that they do post and I lift them up in prayer, but it is a, it is a pleasure trip. It's, they're not out there, you know, on a missionary trip. It is a pleasure trip. So we do pray for their safety and pray that they enjoy themselves. And uh, for those of you, are, are, is anybody here who has a spouse that's over there? Anybody besides? <laughs> over there, we got, we got several. You're praying for their return too, aren't you? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Uh, let's go ahead and pray uh, for this portion of service. Father God, we thank you. For your presence in this place, we thank you uh, for bringing us here to your house. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to enter into your presence, to give you our very best to recognize who you are. And Lord, in this moment, I recognize who you are. I recognize the power and authority of your word. I pray that you would speak in this place, that you would speak to our lives, that you would establish your word within our hearts, that your word would do in this place what it wants to do that your word would be glorified and in the name of Jesus Christ that your people would be in this place and know, God, that you are the God who speaks, the God who establishes through his word, the God who enlightens not only our mind but our path and our spirit, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My message uh, this morning is entitled The Church. Uh, My focus will essentially be what God wants to see in the church, uh, but before I begin, I'd, I'd like to do a little exercise, so I'm going to ask that you bear with me. I'd like for you to take a moment and think about the church in general. When you think about the church, what comes to your mind? What are the thoughts uh, that enter uh, your mind? What is the thought process when you hear uh, that word, the uh, church, or those two words, the church? Somebody say something, what was it? Family, yep, that's good. I want you to think about the church's makeup. I I am interactive. I like that, by the way. I I do like that. I enjoy that. Uh, I want you to think about the makeup of the church. I want you to think about your placement within the church. I want you to think about your role or your function within the church. I want you to think about the dynamics 
of the church. Think about your commitment to the church. I'd also like for you to think about one aspect of the church that has personally blessed you. One specific instance when you were blessed by the church that you wouldn't have had in any other setting, in any other place, something that happened to you while being in the church and you were blessed by it. I also want you to think about a challenge that you faced while being part of the church. Next, what would be the one thing you would want someone to know about the church? Specifically, your church. And hopefully it's not, we changed our name from New Life to The Nest. Hopefully it goes deeper than that. Lastly, for those that may have an issue with the church, because there are people who have an issue with the church, what would you say is wrong with the church? I don't want interaction here, by the way. Just That's for you. This one's for you. It's funny because... Um, a couple of weeks ago, I shared this message at my church because I believe it's important for the church. And it so happens that somebody from our church invited somebody to church. And the wife was really excited to attend church because she wants to be part of the church. But her husband has an issue. Against, obviously, I didn't know this. Her husband has a, an issue against the church. And throughout my message, I saw a new couple within the church and she kept looking at him over and over again, I didn't know what was. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know if 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 they were uh, just passing through. I don't know if somebody had invited them. They were sitting behind somebody, so that and they were by themselves in that row. So I didn't know what was going on. But uh, the couple who invited them told me that this message was was impactful to their life. And he liked the fact that as a pastor, I asked, "What did you think was wrong in the church?" Not that I'm going to change anything. Not that I just want to know how you feel regarding the church and I'll tell you why I wouldn't necessarily change anything uh, the reason is and I'm going to mention this later there is no perfect church the perfect church doesn't exist and it doesn't exist because you and I are part of it the revelation that needs to come to us is God has placed me here this is my church and because it's my church this is where I belong and I'm going to be a part of making this the best possible place for the presence of God to dwell among us. That's what it's about. That's, that's what church is. And my, my goal today is to give you a set of organized thoughts as to some of the details about the church. Because the church really is a broad, broad uh, topic. And to some degree, it's still a mystery. You and I are a mystery. We're a mystery to each other. We're a mystery to the world. But we're not a mystery to God. And I ask these broad questions because in many aspects, the church is what I just finished saying, a mystery. The church is still growing. The church is still being formed, and to some degree, God allows the church to run its own course. I want you to think about that for a second. 
to some degree, God allows the church to run its course. And why do I say that? Because all you have to do is look across our nation to see the things that are taking place in the church. Not in the world, in the church. I don't know if you're aware of some of the things, but there's a movement within the church where they're trying to establish a new Bible translation that makes it gender neutral. That removes the he, the her, the him to allow people who become part of the church who are either entering, going through, or coming out of a gender identity crisis or a gender revelation of who they are to not feel uncomfortable in the church. Those are things that are happening in the church. Years ago, maybe 10 years ago or so, there was this big push by several branches of the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean our council, I don't mean your church, I mean the church as a whole. To allow homosexual uh, people of position, whether it be bishops, part of the presbytery, pastors, to be openly gay and yet still hold their position within the church. That's been long gone and it's been established and it's, it's very popular. You see a lot of that in, in community churches where the community of the church is, are the people who establish the, the doctrine, uh, the, the fundamental truths, their ideology. So is God okay with that because it's happening? No, God's not okay with that because, he's, because it's happening. To a certain degree, God is allowing the church to run its own course. That's just a fact. Whether we're okay with it or not, whether we approve of it or not, there are things that happen in the church that happen. And not to go to, to that extreme, but I always have people come to the church and ask me, well, pastor, what do you think about this church and when they said this? Or what do you think about this pastor when they say that? Say, well, they, they said it. They do it. I'm, I'm not the, the, the person who, who has a final say on what happens. There are things that take place that we agree and disagree with, that we are vehemently against because scripture teaches us so, that we can't do anything about it. But we do have to understand that God is allowing the church to a certain degree to run its own course. So think about that next time something is said, something is done, and you don't see God intervene. It doesn't mean that God's okay with it doesn't mean that God approves it. He's just allowing the church to a certain degree to run its own course. Why? Because we are living in the last days. And with every passing day, the return of our Lord is that much closer. That's a good thing. How many of you say amen? amen. And also a very bad thing because we see so many atrocities taking place. Forget about the world. So many atrocities taking place within the church. So my intent today is not to cover everything there is to know about the church because I myself am still understanding what the church is and no pastor in a matter of 40 minutes can tell you everything there is about the church. But what I want to do is share a set of thoughts that are relevant to believers in today's society. If that's you, could you raise your hand this morning? And this message is for you. 
My hope and my prayer is that whether you are churched or not, and if you know what that word churched is, you are churched. If you're here today and you don't know what churched means, you are not churched. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. How many church people say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Hopefully you will better understand God's heart and his desired role for you all in all of this that is the church. So I would like to stress the importance of being grounded in God's word. Because when we are grounded in God's word, it allows us to know, to reveal, and to defend the identity and the purpose of the church. The church has an identity. The church has a purpose. And the only way we will be solid on what that identity is and what that purpose is, is to know God's word. To be well grounded in God's word. Because if we don't, we're going to be those people that say, well, the Bible says, and it's nowhere in the Bible. Have you ever heard somebody say, the Bible says, and you know the Bible pretty well, and you're like, I've never read that scripture. And you're not sure, but something in you says, that's not in the Bible. And when you finish that conversation, you go and you look through your Bible, you find your concordance, and you do a search on that verse, and that verse doesn't exist. Has that ever happened to anybody here? It happens to me all the time. And I tell people, hey, where is that in the Bible? Because I'm pretty sure it's not there. No, no, it's there, pastor. Show me the scripture. And now it's very easy because we all have a phone. And we have that app, which, by the way, when was the last time you actually opened the Bible? I sat with somebody the other day, and they didn't have their phone, and I gave them a Bible, and they didn't know where Romans was. Phones are good, they're handy, and they're, they're not more spiritual than the Bible, but there's something about that Bible when you open up those pages. Am I right, or, or am I just showing my age? There's, there's something about the, the Word of God in your hand. And don't get me wrong, I use this all the time, but when it's me and God... I like to use my Bible. That's just me. I'm not saying you're not spiritual if you don't use your Bible. I'm just saying be careful because if one day you're without your phone and you can't find the book of Romans. Not like I said, Amos. <laughs> Romans is a pretty well-known scripture uh, book. But that word, to be able to know that word and know what is in God's word and what isn't in God's word is of utmost importance for the church. That's the only way we're going to know, we're going to reveal, and we're going to defend what the identity and what the purpose of the church is. See, many people, and some people rightfully so, have had a bad taste in their mouth concerning the church. Not everybody who has a bad experience with the church is something wrong with them. No, it might be something wrong with the church. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's an unhealthy church. Listen, some pretty bad things have happened in my church and we have a healthy church. We've had missed opportunities. Has that ever happened here? I was going to say at New Life at the Nest. Has that ever happened here? Where you dropped the ball, where you had an opportunity to really reach out and minister to somebody and you say, man, I missed out. Well, when you miss out, the church misses out. Don't think about your pastors and your leaders as they have to carry that torch. That's on all of us. So it happens. There are moments where people have been 
to a church or have attended a church for X amount of time and they haven't had the greatest of experiences. Doesn't mean it's a bad church. It could be a very good church, but it happens. Am I right? So many people, and rightfully so, have had a bad taste in their mouth concerning the church. Some of it is misconception. Have you ever heard somebody talk about the church and they've never set foot in a church? Oh, but the church. I'm like, what church? What? Like, is that the, like the, 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 this reality TV about a church that doesn't even exist? People talk about the church like if they've been there their whole life. And I say, listen, what church have you been going to? No, I've never been to church. How can you talk about the church when you've never been to church? You've never been part of the church. And how many of you know there's a difference between going to church and being part of the church? Yeah. Huge difference. Do you know that's why the tabernacle had the, 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 the gate around it? And it was almost eight feet high. So nobody can look into it. And there's people nowadays who can't look into the church or not part of the church. And then because they hear things, they think they know what's happening on the other side of the fence. Don't allow people, and I'm not telling you to be abrasive and aggressive, but don't allow people who are not part of the church to badmouth the church, specifically your church. In order for you to speak about the church, you have to be part of the church. And when you're part of the church, you're very careful about how you speak about the church. Because at the end of the day, this belongs to God. It's mine, it's yours, we have to have ownership of our church. But ultimately, we belong to God. That's why I don't get upset, upset with people who come and go. T.D. Jakes has this message about the gift of goodbye. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Go ahead and take a listen to it. I've got that gift. God gave me that gift. Listen, I don't want anybody to leave church. But if you don't want to be here, then don't be here. Don't get me wrong. Pastor Javi doesn't want anybody to leave. But you need to be where, A, God has called you to be, and B, where you know that's where you belong. And at the end of the day, if God has called you there and you belong there, you should want to be there. And if you don't want to be there, then go. I'm not going to cry over you. I'll even open the door for you. If you don't know me, I do love people. I do. <laughs> because people are gods. We, we are the church. But at the end of the day, if somebody doesn't care enough to stay and work through it, then so be it. Some people, I said, is because of misconception. Some people, because of ignorance. But some people, through personal experience. I've got some scars from being in the church. Does anybody else here want to raise their hand and say, I've got some scars? But I'm still here. Those scars have healed. It's not a wound. It's a scar. It's not pretty, but it's reality because that's what the church is. Like a family, like she said, a family. Is there a perfect family? Like every family has a crazy uncle. Every church has a crazy uncle too. Every church is filled with people that you say, man, I wish they were the face of the church. Then the church also has people where when they start speaking, you're like, oh my God, turn the mic off. 
Is that only at the way Miami or is that here too? My intention today is not to defend or accuse anybody, but rather to reveal what God wants and who he expects us to be. I'm going to try my best not to point the finger and talk about churches who are just doing things that makes me just scratch my head. I said, I'm going to try. So here we go, the church. The church is important. How many of you say amen? The church is important. The church is not important because I know somebody there. I love somebody there. That's not why the church is important. Or that's not the only reason why the church is important. The church is so important that Jesus himself died for it. Think about that. Jesus died for the church before she was the church. He died for the church to establish it to build it, and to produce something in it. And what is he producing in the church? He's producing the bride within the church. If you don't, I'm not going to get into that, but if you don't know that, it's time to get into discipleship. Because the bride is the finished product of the church. Jesus is coming for the bride, not the church. Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the church before he ever called it the church. Next point, the church is a work in progress. How many people here are still a work in progress? I've come a long way. Have you come a long way? But there's still a big, big, long, long way to go. And the church is a work in progress, and we need to understand that. Listen to what Jesus told Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I'm going to ask you to go there, or, or go ahead and click there, get there, just get there. Jesus said to Peter, in a portion of that verse, he said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I have built my church. He said, I will build my church. Do you know that's the first time Jesus ever used that word? And he used it in a reference of, I'm going to build it. She's not ready. She's not done. She's not completed. She hasn't even been started yet. While on earth, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to reveal the love of the Father. He came to establish the kingdom of heaven and to provide both access to the Father and access to eternal life. And when he was on the cross, what did he say? It is, it is what? It is finished. In three and a half years, Jesus completed what he came here to do regarding salvation, regarding access to the Father, regarding establishing the kingdom of heaven here on earth, 
regarding establishing a pattern by which his followers will and must live, right? He did all that in three and a half years. But the risen Savior, the resurrected Christ, is still building his church. Think about that. Destroyed the works of the devil, revealed the Father, established a path unto and into eternal life, three and a half years. The enemy was defeated. The disciples said that they saw Satan fall from the heavens like lightning. But 2,000 years later, the church is still a work in progress. In six 24-hour time frames, God created what we see today. He separated the waters from land. He established a healthy and livable atmosphere. He made man. He made the animals. The creatures that inhabit the, the world. In six days he did that. But two Thousand years later, the church isn't finished. The Bible says that we're God's handiwork, his masterpiece. He's still working in us. We are a tougher project than creation. It was a quicker project to defeat and destroy Satan than to prepare you and me for eternity. That's why the church is a work in progress. That's why I find it strange where people church hop to find the perfect church. You're not going to find it, man. <laughs> and if it was perfect, the moment you walked through the door, you ruined it. That's why people go from church to church and they're really happy when they go to that new church. But when those same issues start to arise, you've, seen, you've heard about them too, huh? If I could stop right there, I'm going on to my next point. Going back to the church is a work in progress. It is, it was, and always will be a work in progress. It's up to us to be part of that work. Part of the work of God. And through that work, to allow the Lord to perfect us. To bring us to maturity. Because a healthy church is a church where the members of that church are mature. Next point. I love this one. The church needs the presence the guidance, the power, and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I said I wouldn't point the finger, but I'm going to point the finger just a little bit. There are churches that are super proud that from beginning to end, their service takes 45 minutes. Listen, whether you're timing it to make it short or timing it to make it long, you've got a problem. It's best to give access to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do within the church. 
There's nothing wrong. Let me, let me rephrase this. It's important to be seeker-friendly, but it's most important to be well-pleasing to God and to the Holy Spirit. Okay? We care what people who come to church for the first time think, but I care more about what God thinks. And if you're here for the first time, welcome to the nest. Without the Holy Spirit, the church is nothing more than a social gathering focused on good works. There are churches here, I'm pointing the finger again, but it's all right, I've got the microphone. There are churches who have real services when they know new people aren't coming so they can be spiritually fed. But when new people come, you're supposed to be on your best behavior. You're supposed to be short. You're supposed to be quick to keep them wanting more. Give me a break. How about giving them a heavy dose of the Holy Spirit and having them want more from the Holy Spirit than wanting more from the singer, more from the guitar player, more from the piano player, or more from the pastor? How about wanting more from the Holy Spirit? Just a thought. Let me get back to my notes. The church is more than a place. How many of you say amen? amen? But the place, the house of God, cannot be overlooked. The early church met in homes. They met in synagogues and just about anywhere that they were welcomed. The building and the structure doesn't make the church. But any place where God's people meet should be special to God's people. When you walk through those doors, this is your home. This is your church. It's much more than a warehouse. This place doesn't define you, but this place should mean something to God's people. Next point. The church is a reflection and extension of God. You can only reflect and offer what you have received. I'll repeat that. You can only reflect and offer what you have received. That's the answer when you ask the question, why can't so-and-so forgive? Why can't so-and-so love? Why can't so-and-so give compassion? Why can't so-and-so be more patient? They either A, haven't received it, or B, are selfish with what they have received and are not reflecting with what they've received. How many people here have been forgiven? Then how can we not forgive? How many people here have been loved by God? How could we not love? Has God ever criticized you? So why is it so easy for us to criticize others? I said earlier that we were a work in progress, right? Then why do we view people like if they're supposed to be a finished product? Why do I expect a finished product from you, but you can't receive me like a work in progress? Why do I want to tell people, listen, I'm not, I'm not perfect, 
but yet I expect everybody to be perfect with me. Whatever you have received, whatever I have received, it is our duty to reflect that to others, to reflect that to each other. If God has extended himself to me, then I need to extend God to others. I hate it when people say, well, I'm not Jesus. Well, who the heck is living in you then? A pastor, I'm not Jesus. I'm not saying you're Jesus, but isn't Jesus living in you? What about what, John, what the Apostle John said where everyone who has received him has to walk just as he walked? What do we do with that? Do we just ignore it or we don't click it there on our phone? We don't like to go to that verse. We are capable of reflecting everything that we've received from God. You are capable of it. You just choose not to. You just don't allow the Holy Spirit to push you beyond what you think you can and cannot do to become that person that God wants you to be. You just want to stay in your chair, in your corner, in your safe place, where you feel good, where you feel loved, where you feel safe. But that does not lead to maturity. It does not lead you to be a reflection and extension of who God is. Next point. The church was, is, and will be criticized by both the ill-informed and the uninformed. By those people who've received bad info and those people who have no info whatsoever. Next point, the church is the only entity that has a message that can transform a life. I don't you know, necessarily have to raise your hand, but I don't know if anybody here has or knows somebody who either participates in a, uh, a meal plan thing or where they send you food in efforts to get in better shape, to lose weight, uh, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, all this stuff, they have a message, right? And that message, if you follow their message, can transform your body. It can, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with them. I'm not getting ready to bash Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, or the meal plan, or the cantina you participate in. They have a message, and if you follow that message, your body can be transformed. It really can. But the church is the only entity that has a message. The message I'm speaking about is the message of the gospel. And that message of the gospel that you and I have transforms the heart, transforms the mind, transforms the body, and transforms the spirit. You and I are the only entity on the face of the earth that has a message that can reach somebody and transform them and prepare them to go from this life to the next. No other group of people 
has a message that can do that. None. Only you and I. Think about that next time you think you're not important. That what you have, that what you've gone through doesn't really matter. The church, next point, is where people are not only influenced, but better yet transformed. Because you can influence somebody to do something. And that can happen anywhere, in any setting. Have you ever heard somebody say, hey, I think this will be a good idea. Like that people say, go do this, they said. It'll be fun, they said. And you're regretting it. I've been influenced to do things that at the end of the day, I thought, why did I do this? So the church, our goal is not to influence people, but to have people be transformed by God. People can be influenced to go feed the hungry. People can be influenced to clothe the needy. People can be influenced to be a father to the fatherless, a mother to the motherless. But it doesn't guarantee they're being transformed. So the place is not, the church is not a place where you go to be influenced. The church is where we go to be transformed and transformed by God. More than a place where people gather, the church is where people's lives are changed and inspired to be more like Jesus. The reason Paul said, imitate me, is because he was imitating Christ. Too many churches are filled with people who are imitating the person with the microphone instead of the person who gave their life for them. There I go, pointing the finger again. Shame on me. The church is present through the good, the bad, and the ugly. The church is there. Whether good things are happening, whether bad things are happening, whether terrible things are happening, the church is there. Next point, the church serves. True members of the church don't have the mentality of let so and so do it. The church is active within its walls and away from its walls. Do you know that there are people in the church whose ministry won't, let me just say it this way. There are people in the church who don't have a ministry that will be seen inside of these walls. It doesn't make them less or more important. It's just a fact. So if you're in church and you haven't found exactly what it is you're supposed to be doing, exactly the way or the method that you should be serving, look outside of the walls. Maybe God wants you to serve this church away from its walls. There are people who are better suited to function, to reach out, to bless, to minister to the unchurched. Find your place, use your gifts, and exercise the revelation of who God is to you. 
and do so to bless others. Now, two more points. The church isn't changed by culture. The church establishes its own culture. And through that culture, changes the culture that harms humanity. There's a lot of stuff that's taking place today and it's part of culture. You and I don't have to accept it. We don't have to agree with it. We can and we should take our stand and establish a sound, healthy, godly culture. Culture is ever-changing. It is unstable and it is morally deprived. Listen to the definition of culture. The behaviors and beliefs characteristic to a particular social, ethnic, or age group. That is constantly changing. It is constantly evolving. And with every passing generation, it is getting worse and worse. I don't know if you, how many of you watch the, uh, the news, um, besides what you, you, know, you see on Twitter and stuff. And I, and I read Twitter. I, I like to keep up with what, you know, it's newsworthy. But sometimes by watching the news, you, you hear things that you say, how can people even believe this? There's universities in our country that people are paying four years of college for a degree in what it is to be knowledgeable in gender identity. People are getting ripped off, man. <laughs> I have a son and two daughters. That makes me an expert in gender identity. Because when I saw the ultrasound, and I saw what was or wasn't on that ultrasound, I knew what I was having. I knew I was having a boy. When the ultrasound technician showed me his little package. You want to be an expert in gender identity? Take inventory. What you have in stock is what you are. Culture today says you are who you are based on how you feel. Think about that. Anybody here ever go through a time where you just feel terrible? Can you imagine if you were empowered to feel that way the rest of your life and people said it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to feel down. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be depressed, to be unhappy with everything. Can you imagine if there was no one around you to say God has something better for you? You are valued in Christ. You're loved in Christ. You are chosen by God. You are God's special treasure. That's a problem with society today. That's a problem with culture. It's all this how you feel is what validates you. 
That's why people continue to be in depression. That's why hate is taking place. That's why murders are taking place. That's why rape, child molestation, all these things are happening because people are being empowered to feel the way they feel and no one is there to say what you're feeling is not accurate. What you're feeling is wrong. What you're feeling is not derived from God. My daughter's going to be a teacher here very soon. She's going to graduate. And sometimes she comes home and she's depressed because of what they're teaching our future educators. They are teaching them not to call boys boys and girls girls. The other day I was watching the news and I saw this lady, and, and I'm going to say the guy's name. The guy's name is Tucker Carlson. He's this guy on, on, on a particular news channel. And sometimes he has people on, the, on his show just to expose them for how stupid they are. That's basically what he does. And he had this lady who was a, a psychologist trained and now training parents on when their infant child is ready for a diaper change. Because that's their private area. Some people want to be so smart, they're stupid. I know when my child wanted to be changed. They cried. Their thought process wasn't, this is my private area. I'm not ready for a changing yet. But that is an accepted behavior in today's culture. The accepted behavior in today's culture is, I feel the way I feel and there's nothing wrong with the way I feel because I'm happy with the way I feel. Listen, before Christ, there was ways that I felt that I thought I was happy. And I realized today all I was doing was masking pain and an emptiness in my life. Thank God that somebody said to me, you need Jesus. Thank God that when I walked into a church, somebody told me, God loves you the way you are, but he loves you so much he wants you to change. He wants you to be transformed into Jesus Christ. To bear the image of who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit loves you so much, his working is, trans is to transform you into the image of Christ. It's up to the church to set a standard for a lifestyle that pleases God. And it's not up to us to tell people, oh, but this is wrong and that is wrong and that is wrong. Let's just live a life and a lifestyle that establishes what it is to please God. And when asked, how do you feel about this lifestyle that you speak truth? Because there's people who dance around the subject and they get unnecessary criticism. And I understand why they're criticized. Because they have a platform. A lot of people listen to them. A lot of people watch them. But they don't say to live life like this is wrong. And the ones that do are seen as bigots are seen as people who hate, when all they're doing is echoing what the word of God says. It's wrong. God doesn't approve of it. God doesn't approve of this, doesn't approve of that. And it's not okay to live in any way, in any lifestyle, to possess any point of view that's contrary to what God has established as right. Right. 
It's up to us to establish beliefs and behaviors that benefit individuals, families, and communities. If we don't live and reflect a lifestyle that is well-pleasing to God, who's going to do it? And lastly, I'd love to close my message by saying church is for everyone. But it's not. The church is not for everyone. It's for people who've been touched by God. Church is for people who've been forgiven. Church is for people who still need of God. And church is only for people who know that something better is waiting for them in eternity. Church isn't for everybody. There are people who will walk through those doors. There are people who will, who will want to find their place within this and not even be saved. Can you imagine somebody comes to church and has never repented of their sins and never given their life over to the Lord? It happens. There are people who come to church and never get water baptized. But they like the setting of the church. Did you guys visit uh, Frankie in Barceloneta when you went to Puerto Rico? The church that had the tent? Wasn't that a special place? It wasn't that an awesome place. You know what God revealed to me while I was in Barceloneta? And for those of you who may not know, we have a church in Puerto Rico in Barceloneta with two pastors who are just fantastic people. You go there and you feel welcomed. You feel part of what's taking place there. It's outside, but it's an enjoyable experience. When I was there, God showed me something. And he revealed a danger to me that doesn't necessarily take place, but something that could happen there. Something that could happen in any one of our churches. Because every one of us, we like to establish a nice place, a nice setting. We put people up here who have a grace and a gift to do what they do. We put people outside and at the door who are welcoming, who are inviting, right? We think about all the things that we could do to make this experience a good experience. But what happens when people become part of the experience but are never transformed by God? Don't ever repent. Don't ever get water baptized. Don't ever get touched by the Holy Spirit. They just like the environment of what church is. That's not the church. So church isn't for everybody. And I'm going to tell you something else. This church isn't for everybody. My church isn't for everybody. And I'm okay with that. And I hope that you're okay with that as well. Because there will be people, good people, who walk through those doors and just say from the bottom of their hearts, this place isn't for me. That's okay. But for those people who know that this place is for them, can you stand with me today? I want to close in prayer. If you know that this is your place, this is the place where God has called you to be,
I want to pray with you. And to go beyond to what's more important. If being part of the church is part of what God has for you, right there where you are, could you raise your hand to the Lord and say, thank you, Lord, for making me part of the church? Thank you for considering me. Thank you for equipping me. Thank you for enabling me. Thank you for building me up. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for transforming me. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. Thank you for never giving up on this work in progress. Come on, who can say that to God? Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for your church. I thank you for this church. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, as you grant them the liberty to continue their own course, that their course, O oh God, would be embedded in what you have considered to be right, to be holy, to be just, to be effective in this world. I pray that you would establish in this place a culture, a set of beliefs and behaviors that are pleasing to you. That the culture that you establish here would be so powerful that the members of this body would take that culture and transform their surrounding. I pray that every member of this church would be a reflection and extension of who you are. That they would be authentic representations of Jesus Christ. I pray that in this place there would always be room, freedom, and a seat of importance for the Holy Spirit. That your presence that your power and your manifestation would always be felt, be seen, and be welcomed in this place, oh God. I pray that the members of this congregation would be grounded in your word, that they would know, that they would reveal, and that they would defend the identity and the purpose of the church. And most importantly, that the bride be formed in this church. That the bride be grown here. That she would be protected here. That she would be respected here. That she would be prepared here for the day that you return for us all, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name.
that the work that you began in each and every one of us would be completed until the day of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would be proud of who you are in us, who you are in each one of our lives, who you are in our midst, and that we would all understand that this, this place may not be perfect, but it's ours and it is yours. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen and amen. God bless you all. Pleasure to be here. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Do I dismiss? We're dismissed. Or is there any more announcements? God bless. No, I guess there is. Is there something? We are dismissed. God bless you all. See you all next week. Make sure you follow and are updated with what's going on in Israel. And be here next week.